Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. There are some things that have gone on for so long in the Bay Area that it seems like they could never change. The rent going up, fog in the summer, and the A's threatening to leave Oakland. But last week, news broke that the team had struck a deal to develop a new stadium in Las Vegas. In response, Oakland Mayor Shang Tao ended negotiations. It's over, for real this time. Oakland once had three professional teams, and someday soon, Oakland will have none. So we're going to take the hour listening to your lamentations, reveling in your memories, and considering what might have been. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Sports teams are strange, aren't they? On the one hand, they're cutthroat operations, multi-billion dollar big businesses controlled by the country's ruling elite and subject to the whims of the masters of the universe who can afford to buy these teams. On the other hand, they're part of the city, sustained by the cultural traditions of people way up in the cheap seats. They're fueled by fandoms that cut across race and class and zip code. What we all do together, building that culture, Somebody at the top, they skim the cream. I sometimes say that Oakland concentrates both the good and the bad of this region, maybe also of this country. So it makes sense that these tensions in professional sports would be this brutal in the East Bay. You pour your heart into a team, build memories in their colors, construct an identity around their story, and then they leave for Las Vegas. Here to discuss the A's, the city, and what happens now. We're joined by Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome, Ann. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Also joined by David Peters, a member of the Howard Terminal Community Benefits Agreement Steering Committee, also a founder of the Black Liberation Walking Tour. And Peters is a third-generation West Oakland resident, lifelong A's fan. Welcome, David. Hey, thanks, Alexis. Good to be here. We're also joined by Melissa Lockhart, uh, senior editor and staff writer at The Athletic, Another lifelong A's fan uh, who founded 
Oakland Clubhouse, which was a blog that covered the Oakland uh, farm teams. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I think we should start out, given that this show is generally one of lamentation, but also, you know, celebrating our own personal legacies with this team. Um, Dave, maybe we start out with you. Could you share, you know, a favorite memory that you have of the A's as a as a team? Sure. And, you know, Alexis, there's, there's so many. Um, uh, it's, I'll pull out maybe maybe one here and maybe one that's very meaningful for me. I can remember my very first discernible memory of going to an A's game. I would have been, it must have been the 1972 season because uh, Vita Blue was riding around in a convertible blue Cadillac that Charlie <laughs> Finley had given him for winning the uh, Cy Young and MVP the year before. The My road dog for those early young childhood seasons at the at the ballpark was my grandmother Mm. and every time i have walked into that stadium since uh it has brought back such strong memories of her you know in that place and that's certainly one of just many many favorite memories of mine at the coliseum i love that um melissa how about you what would you say yeah, you know, I, I was trying to remember if I could remember the first game I went to, and I'm pretty sure I can't because I think I was probably one or two years old, but um, it was a pretty big constant in, you know, growing up. Um, I grew up in the, you know, mid to late 80s, early 90s. So those sort of swashbuckling teams is what sort of grabbed my attention. Dave Stewart, pull, I used to pull my cap low when I would play softball and try to intimidate the, the other girls. While I was, <laughs> I I was nearly Stewart, as good yeah. as he was at it. Um, but I, you know, I think a, a lot of it too, just, um, in my career covering the team, um, there were so many great moments of just learning the stories that these players kind of overcame to get to the big leagues, um, and then celebrating with them really when they achieved what nobody expected them to, especially in those 2012 through 14 teams. And then again, in 18 and 19, there was such unexpected winning moments with this franchise that I think, um, you know, will be cherished for a long time. Yeah. And Killian, obviously, you know, you're approaching this from more of your sort of professional capacity as a sports columnist. Sure, what would you say? say yeah. I, I, the A's were a team that I fell in love with as a little kid. My, I grew up in a Giants household. Um, my dad was a big Giants fan, but those World Series teams, I were kind of the first team that was my team without mm-hmm. it being handed to me from my parents. And my grandmother lived in Oakland. So we, my mother was raised there. And um, those World Series teams were were like one of the things that really made me fall in love with baseball on my own terms. And, and quite frankly, I transferred that love in the late seventies to the Yankees because Catfish and Reggie went there, which was, you know, an, a, in the great tradition of Oakland A's um, when Charlie Finley was tearing down the team and, you know, he was more clever about it than John Fisher is. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> have you no? Have Have you and your dad healed from that traumatic rupture, or is that a did, did <laughs> that stay with you too for a he long was, time? He, my dad's been gone for a long time, but he was quite happy that he his daughter was such became such a sports fan in whatever manner it happened. Yeah. So, and talk to us about why uh, fans seem both outraged and disheartened, and all these other things, even though. You know, this has been a long saga. I mean, wh- why do you think that is? Is it the ownership, as you mentioned, or is it? Well, well what do you think? It's, 
It's absolutely the ownership. It has been a long saga. It's been going on, you know, for decades in one form or another. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of people to blame and, and you could, um, you know, years ago in the 90s when the when the Raiders came back, um, you could point the finger squarely at, uh, at Oakland and Alameda County politicians. That's not the case right now. This is a John Fisher and MLB uh, issue to blame. Um, you know, they they broke off the negotiations. They they blindsided the mayor, as she said. Um, she also called them not good partners, and she's not going to let them use the city for leverage. And I completely agree with her. This John Fisher is the worst owner in all of sports. He really is, uh, especially now that Daniel Snyder is out in Washington as the football team owner. I mean, John Fisher is completely unaccountable. He never speaks to the media. He never, uh, he has his little minion, Dave Cavill, running around, um, playing people one against the other and, and, you know, talking out of both sides of his mouth. But this is a billionaire who has just run this team into the ground, has leached off the other owners, has played this weird game. And, you know, is really, it's really it seems to be all about a real estate deal and very little about baseball. And I think people are really angry at this particular person who has owned the team for 20 years and has done virtually nothing with it. Mm-hmm. Melissa Luckert, I mean, why, A, I guess, you know, does John Fisher still own the team? Does anyone know? And and B, you know, in, in professional sports, Oftentimes, there's pressure put on owners who don't seem invested in the team. The A's uh, have such a low uh, payroll, and basically because of that, develop prospects and then kind of uh, have to get rid of them. Um, talk to us a little bit about you know the kind of how this works in professional baseball and why an owner like this would continue being an owner. Yeah, I mean, ultimately the only people that can push John Fisher out of owning a major league franchise since he already owns one are the other owners in major league baseball. And they have expressed very little interest in really ever putting pressure on any of their other owners, especially the ones that aren't outspending them. Right. You like you, you saw some outrage when the, when the Mets were bought by Steve Cohen and all of a sudden they're spending a lot of money and there's so much worry and the, the Padres are spending a lot. That's where you see the worry from other owners because other owners don't want pressure to pay a, a lot of money either. Right. So so um, I think John Fisher's in an environment where it's an annoyance to the rest of the owners that this isn't taken care of yet. And I think that's why you've seen a deadline that's set. Um, you know, they can't be part of the revenue sharing agreement um, anymore if they don't finalize this by uh, the end of the year, uh, you know, to have a stadium um, agreement in place. So, you know, there's some pressure applied to getting this done, but ultimately, you know, they're perfectly satisfied with having somebody who's not going to raise the level of spending around the league. And, uh, you know, ultimately, Major League Baseball would have to say, this is unacceptable. What you've done is unacceptable, and you need to sell this team to someone who's going to do something different for that to happen. And and I just don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, David Peters, I mean, you spent a ton of time trying to make this work from the community side, you know, as part of your work in the Howard Terminal Community Benefits Steering Committee. How are you processing this, the collapse of this possibility? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I had a sad advantage in, in beginning to process this. Uh, let me just say something about the last one. Uh, Lou Wolf, the former managing partner of the A's, said a this is maybe a decade or so back when questioned about ownership and, and not investing in the team that we like our investment returns. 
So this, it would make no sense for for Fisher or other you know, other of the owners to sell the team because they're making money. And so it's pretty uh, apparent and easy to understand why why they would continue to, to own. Um, now we went through you know hundreds of Oaklanders spent thousands of hours you know working through a community centered equity based a community benefits process around a, you know relocation to Howard Terminal. And in after 18 months of, of work, and we were probably three quarters of the way through, uh, Dave Cavill came to one of our meetings and told us that the A's had no intention of investing even a single penny in the community benefits and that the project itself was a community benefit. At that point, I was it, it was such a duplicitous and disingenuous uh, kind of posture that the project is the benefit. Uh, in the face of all this work that we had done to develop recommendations around affordable housing, uh, community investment fund, environment, education, uh, recreation, arts and culture, so so many other things, and they had led, you know, and they had funded that process um, through you know the paying for a city staff and the facilitator, um, but then had led us to believe that they were going to fund these community benefits. If you look down the coast, you know, Balmer, Steve Balmer is building a stadium in Inglewood for the Lakers, and he wrote a $100 million check to the city of Inglewood. Um, and the A's, and in the face of that, the A's turned around in the midst of this process and said, not a nothing. penny. At not that a point, penny. Yeah. nothing. Not a penny. And so at that point, I kind of fell away. It was hard for me to, to watch the games or, or to go to the stadium without having a sick and feeling in the pit of my stomach of betrayal. Mm. And while, you know, many other fans told me not to let the ownership situation get in the way of my fandom, it was just really hard to do. Yeah. I gave up my season tickets uh, beginning next season when they sold off the, the mats, the two first and third mm. basement and raised ticket prices. And, um, you know, kind of haven't looked back since. I, ha- yeah. I hadn't actually watched an inning this season and before this wow. announcement but wow. we'll make sure i get out to the ballpark um you know later this season yeah we're talking about what the Oakland A's potential move to Las Vegas means to fans and the Bay Area as a whole with david peters a member of the howard terminal community benefits agreement lifelong A's fan uh and killian sports columnist with the san francisco chronicle and melissa lockhart a senior editor and staff writer at the athletic another lifelong A's fan we are listening to some uh, walk-up music. This is Oakland A's pitcher uh, Shintaro Fujinami's walk-up song, It's My Life, by Bon Jovi. We'll take some calls and comments uh, right after we come back from the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Oakland A's potential move to Las Vegas, what it means to fans, what it means to the Bay Area, what it means to Oakland. We're joined by Melissa Lockhart, senior editor and staff writer at The Athletic, lifelong A's fan who actually founded Oakland Clubhouse, a blog that covered Oakland Athletics prospects. Also, I have David Peters, third-generation West Oakland resident, lifelong Oakland A's fan, and Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. We'd love to hear your thoughts about what's happening with the A's moving to Las Vegas. Maybe you'll want to share some of your favorite or, I guess, least favorite Oakland A's memories. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or KQED Forum. Mike uh, writes in to say, the all-star teams that could be made up of A's would be legendary. Other teams sell off people as soon as they become stars, but the A's never understood how much people like me care about the team based on the personal connection that I feel for individuals. The one that really did it was uh, Jonas Cespedes, and yet I'm sad to see the A's go. I don't want them to go. They could have had a great stadium at the current location, though I agree Howard Terminal was a fun idea. In the whole scope, I'm sorry we lost the Warriors, while the Raiders spoiled things when they moved to L.A., I still have fond memories of their great years. MLB is to blame, as well as the owners. I'm very sorry this has turned out the way it has. It's, it's kind of amazing just, you know, listening to that uh, comment, And You know, people, I think, have a, have a hard time kind of sorting out their feelings from the loss of the three sports teams of Oakland to, you know, the love for the players, the hatred for the ownership, try, like— how are you kind of parsing out what has happened here with A's? Well, right. There's a lot there. And, and um, you know, when I was a little kid, Oakland was the center of the sports universe. You know, there was a Super Bowl champion. There was a three-time World Series champion. There was an NBA champion, all sitting on that same little piece of land. And it was uh, it was kind of a magical time. And it's, it's hard to reconcile that... Um, that is all gone or potentially all gone and that it's been so mishandled. And, you know, I mean, what he said about um, the, what the person who just wrote in said about this, the current site, I completely agree with, and I've contended with that for, for a decade. If the A's had just decided, especially once the other tenants were out the door uh, to build a ballpark village, which is what they're talking about building in Las Vegas, a restaurant, retail, ballpark yeah. kind of village, not on the water, clearly in the desert, um, at the site that has BART ac- access, that has freeway access, it's 157 acres. Like if you cannot have the imagination and creativity to figure out how you could turn that into a vibrant worthwhile site you're you I think you're a failure as a business person so they could have they could already be playing in that stadium if they just had a little vision the Howard you know there's a lot of people who think the Howard Terminal site was kind of a red herring from the get-go because it is such an untenable difficult site and then you know when they start saying things like 
oh, we're not, we don't want affordable housing, which, you know, is the law. I, I mean, it's just everything they did there just, it seems duplicitous. Uh, feels like they, it was just a leverage play with Las Vegas. It was a, yeah, it feels like it's always been a leverage play. It's always been a real estate play. And, you know, I, I would say that, though, that in the wake of all this, they're not gone. I mean, there is the matter of a half a billion dollars that they think, you know, the people of Las Vegas and Nevada are going to somehow cough up for them, which, you know, I think Las Vegas is learning the hard lessons that that most Californians have already learned um, that, you know, get it going into funding billionaire owners is not really the greatest use of public funds. Um there's also the the matter of the 75% vote of the other owners. And while I agree with Melissa, they don't mind that John Fisher is a cheapskate and has been leeching off of them for all these years. They also um, are giving up a potentially huge uh, expansion market. They're, Manfred, the commissioner, said he's going to waive a relocation fee, which sounds implausible to me, knowing how greedy baseball owners are. And the the uh, media market rights are currently split between six teams, all five California teams and Arizona. And I don't know that they're just, they're going to give that up so easily, plus seeding all of Northern California to the Giants. I think that there's a lot still to be figured out. So it could end up that, hmm. you know, some something, some, this, anyway, there's there's more dominoes to fall. Yes, yes. Uh, I think it was uh, your colleague, Tim Kawakami, Melissa, saying betting against John Fisher has been a good bet uh, in recent years. <laughs> um, let's bring in Josh in Castro Valley. Welcome, Josh. Hey, thank you for the show. Uh, just wanted to share a memory being an East Bay lifer, and um, I went to my first two baseball games. Uh, in a spring, uh, early 80s. And uh, uh, the first one was a Giants game where we saw a um, a one-run pitching duel. And for a, for a six-year-old to go through nine innings, it was pretty miserable the way to spend the day. But then I got to see the A's uh, about a couple of weeks later and um, got to see Ricky Henderson steal second, then third. And the crowd just erupting and being around all the fans with the we are family pumping up the crowd. It was such a different experience. So I've been wearing the green and gold uh, ever since. Um, yeah, really sad to hear about all this. Um, would like to just mention that there are two small market uh, pro sports teams, the Oakland Spiders uh, Ultimate Program. And uh, as well as the uh, Oakland Roots soccer. Oh, yeah. And, the uh, Roots and the Soul are, are great. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to see, uh, you know, if, if nothing else out of this um, comes well for Oakland, at least hopefully we'll see a little more audience for those programs. Yeah. Hey, but, yeah, Lyle, yeah. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Josh. Really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, Ricky Henderson stealing bases was one of the greatest things in, in all sports. Um you know, I want to bring in uh, another voice. Uh, Brian Johansson is co-owner of Last Dive Bar. They're a small business, makes Coliseum-inspired merch, puts on events to rally support to keep the A's in Oakland. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Brian, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, Brian. How so, you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so... 
let me ask you this. Yes. Do you have any hope? We, we've been kind of like dancing around this topic. Yeah. Do you have any hope that the A's stay in the Bay Area because the Las Vegas plan fails or some other haywire thing happens? Well, of course I do. I mean, they just brought the boring company into fold. So you got John Fisher plus Elon Musk. I mean, that's a that's a recipe for success, right? No, I mean, all okay, right now, I mean, yes, I'm Brian Johansson. I run last dive bar. Uh, sorry, I was trying to get my avatar up, but that didn't that wasn't so successful. But all all for me, all I have is hope. Um, you know, this last dive bar thing was built off of a meme, and now we're we're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for the East Bay and and uh, affiliated charities uh, through the team and uh, and doing a bunch of community events. And it all started with just being a fan. And with this whole situation, the more you look at Vegas, the more you see so many roadblocks that they've yet to even come across. And you saw the reaction from Oakland and the officials because I thought every oh, they thought, you know, everything was on course. And so to get that bomb dropped on them at what, 11 something at night, um, they were just as equally as mad as the fans were. And you're seeing that now, and you're seeing it on a national level. And the correct questions are now being asked to the A's executives and MLB for why are you allowing consumers to be treated like this? But as far as hope, that's all I have is hope. And <laughs> I hope that they stay in yeah. Oakland. I mean, right now, all the data shows you is that Oakland is in a better position than Las Vegas is unless they're going to find, find a way to garner up, you know, 500 plus million dollars uh, mm -hmm. worth of public funding you know yeah i saw uh kind of noted political um strategist and, and john ralston basically saying about this deal you know who's like kind of a specializes in in nevada that he had some had some questions about it so i i think that to your point yeah 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 i mean you you also had the mayor came out publicly and said that, that no public funding and the, and the public itself the review journal uh, which I helped and uh, was part of the the initial support that the Review Journal said they want the A's in Oakland. They want the name to stay in Oakland. If they want it, if they get a team, they want a new team, an expansion team, something they can make their own, and not one of the most hated owners in all of baseball. Yeah, we're talking about the Oakland A's potential move to Las Vegas, what it means to fans, what it means to the Bay Area. I'm joined by Brian Johansson Cohen or the Last Dive Bar, which uh, rally support to keep the A's in Oakland, raises money for. Um, different causes around the, the uh, East Bay. Also joined by Melissa Lockhart, senior editor and staff writer at The Atlantic and a lifelong A's fan. David Peters, third-generation West Oakland resident, lifelong A's fan. And Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the Oakland A's, this potential move to Las Vegas, you know, the saga of what's happened with the stadium over the years. Or, you know what, you can also just call us and give us your favorite Oakland A's memories. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. One uh, desperate and delusional diehard writes in to say, I've been taking my son to A's games since he was a year old. Now that he's almost six... We fall in love with the team and the Coliseum. I don't buy the argument that the Coliseum is outdated. Fans show up. It's the ownership and the turnover that makes it hard to stay loyal, but rabidly loyal we are. We are heartbroken. I know it's a long shot, but what would it look like for the A's fans to come together and purchase the team in the vein of a community-owned team like Green Bay? Have you heard anything about that, Melissa? No, I mean, 
from an economic perspective, I just don't think you can come up with $1.5 billion of people coming together with funds as much as I think that would be a wonderful thing. You it's know, a large GoFundMe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the Green Bay situation took place in the time when franchises were in the, you know, six digits, not, not nearly like this. Um, but I think there is that passion. I, you know, I, I actually... My husband was from Green Bay, so I'm very familiar with that market as well. And, um, you know, I think um, there is, are a lot of similarities, not just the colors in terms of just how much this team means to the people who support it and how much it's meant to them from generation to generation. Um, and, you know, I think part of it is just they have always been different, right? Like it isn't just that it's a franchise that won some World Series. It's a franchise that has always done everything slightly differently than the rest of the league. Uh, and part of that, I think, was because Oakland is a special place that mm -hmm. does things slightly differently than the rest of the world. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think losing that match uh, wherever they would end up if they didn't end up staying in Oakland would tear a lot of the identity of the team away. Yeah. Man, there are some great comments coming in, y'all. Here we go. Um, Shakina writes in to say, as a 30-plus year Oakland resident whose family income directly depends on the events at the Coliseum, and as an East Oakland homeowner living less than two miles away from the complex, we are angry. The A's used hard-paying taxpayers as pawns in their game. Not one more dime from us. Bye-bye. Katie writes in to say, I was born and raised and still live in Oakland, still one BART stop from the Coliseum. The current A's owners have not given a bleep about the team or the town for a long, long time, if they ever did. I was pretty much raised in the bleachers behind Ricky Henderson. My mother was a baseball fan through and through. She and my best friend's mom would take a bunch of us to the games all summer long. To me, the smell of hot dogs, cheap weed, and cheaper beer is the smell of baseball. Billy Ball, Money Ball, the All-Star Game, the series, the streak... All of it. We sprinkled a tiny bit of her ashes in left field on Fan Appreciation Day in August of 2006, a few weeks after she died. It's where I feel closest to her. I have no printable words. My green and gold heart is broken. Man, Katie. You know, I, I, I have to say, you know, David Peters, I mean, you're someone who's been, because you've been involved in the kind of logistics of this and are also a fan, I mean... Is there a certain point where you just say to yourself, you know what, I can do community building in many ways. Why am I doing it through this sports team, right? Like, Katie has so much that's there. Is it just that those memories tether you so strongly that you have to keep going, even though you know that this is sort of not a good relationship that you have with this team? Yeah, well, the sound of Katie, man, that was powerful. Mm -hmm. it's, we, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, A's fans got together this past Friday to, to watch the game. And I think it kind of that loss, you know, really hit me then. It had been, hadn't really processed that yet. But, you know, it's the realization that we, you know, we, the, the fans in Oakland have always created our own culture, right? And so there's been, whether it was the A's or, or the Raiders and, you know, all these events and all the tailgating, you know, that parking lot is legendary. You know, all the antics that we've come up with, you know, the drumming, we used to rage out there in Hindu land, uh, the dingers are ringing the bells back in the 70s. You know, the, the, the A's have been leaving Oakland from almost the moment they arrived. <laughs> I can remember picking up the Oakland Tribune, the late lamented Oakland Tribune in 1976, 
and seeing a headline that said AIDS sold to oil man Marvin Davis moving to Denver, you know, and they have had three out of the four ownership groups, with the exception of the Haas family, have been generally reviled. And the Haas, but the Haas family, I think, was able to show, you know, what you can do if you invest in the team and you invest in the community and you actually go out and do some marketing. You know, they had, they drew 2.9 million, I think, in 1990, which is the high watermark until, until the Giants constructed their palace over there. But, you know, there's so much, though, about a sports team that brings things together. And you set this in your open across race and class and all other sorts of differences that other, that, you know, other things just don't do. It has such a broad, you know, and a wide appeal. And I think the A's in particular, you know, going back to the Charlie Finley days, underfunded, wearing funny, garish, loud polyester uniforms, wearing, you know, mustaches at a clean cut time, breaking the rules and doing things their way, being underdogs and underfunded and yet still being world champions represented Oakland's vision for itself at a time when Oakland was seeing itself as a competitor, you know, to that shiny city across the bay, but yet was able to, to win championships, you know, and we, I think we took a lot of pride then, particularly around winning championships being, you know, the, the cute little underdogs. Mm-hmm. And that's carried forward today in some ways. And that 2012 team, which came, which set a record for coming back in the last week of that season and winning a division uh, and ultimately losing to the Detroit Tigers. But perhaps the most stirring moment I've experienced in the Coliseum was the crowd standing, uh, standing ovation for five, 10 minutes after they had lost. And the wow. Detroit Tigers in victory, just being in awe of that of that ovation. You know, that is what you know the A's have allowed people to do. I mean, ten people from the bleachers came to my wife and I wedding wedding in Jamaica. You know, I have met so many people I would not otherwise know. And actually, I think you know our sporting events and, and probably the Oakland Coliseum is one of those last great democratic spaces that we have where you can meet. Any kind of person, you know, out there at the ballpark, you know, over, uh, you know, a hot dog and a beer and, you know, baseball really gives them a, a time to chat. And while there's, there's a game going on over there, you can choose to pay attention or not. Uh, it doesn't require the same demanding intensive attention as basketball. Really side of regression that comes out for football. Our weather is perfect and a baseball game is just a great place to go out and, and meet new people. Makes make continue to build connections with old friends and just be out and watch something. We got another uh, song uh, coming up here. This is Celia Cruz. This is Ria Yora, uh, and this is Oakland A's infielder Aled Miss Diaz's uh, walk up song. We are talking the A's. You know why? They're probably moving to Las Vegas. Uh, it's been the case, but they've signed a new deal. It seems like it's a real, more real than it was before. We're joined by Ann Killian of the San Francisco Chronicle, The Athletics' Melissa Lockhart, Last Dive Bar's Brian Johansson, and David Peters, lifelong A's fan. We'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Oakland A's potential move to Las Vegas, what it means to fans, what it means to Oakland, what it means to the Bay Area as a whole. We're joined by Brian Johansson, co-owner of The Last Dive Bar and A's Supporter Club, Melissa Lockhart, senior editor and staff writer at The Athletic and a lifelong A's fan, founded Oakland Clubhouse, a blog that covered the Oakland A's prospects. Also joined by David Peters, third-generation West Oakland resident, lifelong A's fan, who is a member of the Howard Terminal Community Benefits Agreement Steering Committee, which was helping to negotiate a deal that didn't happen with the A's and the city. And Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, I want to ask Ann one other question before we get We have a bunch of calls here. Um, One other question, though. Did the city also make a bunch of mistakes, right? I mean, it's we had a caller, Colin, who who had to go, but they said, you know, I get being mad at the, John Fisher, but what about the city? Well, the city, as I said, the city has made mistakes with the A's over the years, um, and uh, you know, I'm I I don't know all the de- different details of the lease agreements and the and the the tension between the Raiders and the A's, which was definitely there. And, and obviously, you know, rebuilding the Coliseum for the Raiders, ruining the Coliseum um, for baseball, you know, that was, that was a huge mistake. But I, I think that, you know, if you look at the clown show that has been the Fisher Caval years um, recently, uh, a lot of it is directly on, on the ownership. You know, they, they had this pipe dream of a Laney College thing that they've floated out there that uh, as a site for an, a stadium and and it wasn't a realistic site it never was so so the fact that that uh, you know they wasted I think two years in the process there that was that was in like 2016 2017 around that time um, they've just made missteps after missteps so sure is everyone to blame sure but you want to know who has the, the biggest share of the blame it is by far by far, in this case, the ownership. Let's uh, bring in some more uh, fans here. Hey, uh, Gabriel in San Francisco, welcome. Thanks. Um, yeah, another lifelong A's fan and also Sharks fan, so I'm well acquainted with the suffering that is sports <laughs> in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I remember lots of fond memories as a kid, um, still, still wait for the big three to pitch again, which unfortunately may never happen. Um, and and Barry Zito's surfing days. Uh, but my question is around, um, uh, you know, how likely is the deal to actually happen? Um, it seems like half a billion dollars is a lot of money. I don't know. I'm not a billionaire, so I don't track those things closely. But it seems like there's a lot of pushback in Nevada. Um, it seems like there's some grassroots campaigns that are forming. I know Joe Lacobe has a standing offer to buy the A's. Um, so, like, how, how do we make that happen, <laughs> and how likely is it? Yeah. 
Melissa, how are you all doing this analysis at The Athletic about this particular topic? Like, how, how do you say, okay, this is likely, this is not likely? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think some of it is just handicapping at this point. And I think to Tim's point and, you know, in his really strong article, there's no proof that Dave Cavill or John Fisher can close any deal, let alone a deal in Las Vegas. They have a track record of being over, you know, forever. So um, I think there is some skepticism. You know, I think they have painted themselves into a corner here where you you have to wonder if the league is going to step in and help them finish this deal just because they're tired of dealing with this. And I do think there is some fatigue in MLB offices that they just want the A's to have a stadium and they don't care mm-hmm. anymore where it's going to be because they have other things they want to get to. I, I think to Anne's point, there are obviously ownership issues, but, um, you know, I, I, I do think that they've painted themselves into a situation now where it's like, if the city of Oakland's not going to negotiate with John Fisher, the league is going to either have to force Fisher to sell if they want them to stay in Oakland or get help them get this Las Vegas deal done. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, they've made several announcements along, uh, the last six, seven, eight years, and none of them have come to fruition. So until somebody builds, uh, you know, an actual part of a stadium, I don't think anything is done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Chris in Santa Clara. Welcome. Great. Hey, uh, thanks very much, Alexis. You know, my, my question is for Anne, because as I'm hearing you talk, Ms. Killian, I'm frankly very disturbed and questioning your professionality as a journalist, as well, a longtime sports journalist in the Bay Area. There's no questioning here about the San Francisco Giants' role in having the, the A's leave. They I mean, the Giants had the audacity to send out a Twitter note a few days ago, oh, we're so sorry to see the A's go. That's such a big pile of crap. All they have to do is snap their fingers, say, sign a little something, and the A's get to move down to Santa Clara. We've got a spot sitting right there next to Levi's Stadium. If Santa Clara hadn't stepped up, the 49ers would be gone. We've got a stadium where we get it's working perfectly fine, even with a little bit of local political you know, challenge. But if we want to keep the A's in the Bay Area, come on down to Santa Clara. We got space. We'll keep them here. Why are you, Ms. Killian, not keeping the Giants publicly accountable for being? The well, Chris, let's give her a chance to respond because I think, Anne, you probably don't totally disagree with Chris about the Giants' well, role in all this. The, the the potential move to San Jose was a while ago, and I do not think it could be. You could snap your fingers and it could happen right now. And yes, the Giants' territorial rights were a big issue, and we've written extensively about that. And but but to Melissa's earlier point, we still don't even know that if they didn't have those territorial rights, that they would have moved to San Jose. I mean, nobody knows that for sure. John Fisher is a lot of talk about real estate deals, and nothing has come to fruition. I think it's probably likely. I think that that was kind of an ugly situation, but MLB supported the giants in that so again if you want to start pointing fingers of blame you can point them at the giants for sure you can point them at mlb and you can point at at the a's ownership i i i don't think that the territorial rights issue that was when was that 2012 20 you know that was that's like a decade ago and i don't think that that situation is you that you as you said can magically snap your fingers and that would be resolved right now because everything's different. Real estate's different. Costs are different. Um, people's willingness to, you know, I mean, we've seen what a wonderful partner the 49ers are for the city of Santa Clara. Um, I think that there would be a great deal of uh, 
citizen opposition to any kind of public monies being involved. So I think that, uh, you know, that that is a factor in the A's long and tortured history. I don't know what a factor it is right at this moment. Yeah, it's good. All good points. And thank you. Uh, thanks so much for uh, setting that straight. Um, let's go to uh, Nick in Oakland. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, so, Nick Behagia, I'm actually the CEO of the Oakland Zoo, and there have been some uh, tweets that the zoo might be moving to Vegas, so I just wanted to clear that up. That's not happening. But uh, more importantly, and I don't know if it's been discussed, is you know a place like the zoo and a place like the A's, and I hope they stay, is a large employer of Oakland youth. Mm. And that, uh, I wonder if it's getting missed in the conversation that, yes, there are jobs for construction, uh, but equally importantly, it provides opportunities for young adults. It might be their first or second jobs. And that is uh, a real loss. Uh, you know, again, hoping the A's don't move. We would love to see them here. Uh, but that is, unfortunately, a side uh, challenge if they were to move. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Thank you uh, so much, hey, David Peters. Did you ever consider well, you know working what it, at the ballpark or uh, or Brian? Sorry, go ahead. I was just about to say say that. Like my, my first job was working concessions, you know, at the Oakland Coliseum. And you know, when I was a kid, I was a, you know exactly that. Working at the Coliseum was one of the first jobs for many many people. But if you look at the folks who work at the Coliseum now, those aren't so much youth jobs anymore. Now, those, there are adults, many, many of them, you know, older adults that I've been working there a long time that have cobbled together, you know, a, a living working between San Francisco stadiums and Oakland stadiums, you know, in that union. There are hundreds of jobs uh, that the Coliseum and the A's, you know, have in this community, and, and that's a really good point. That brought up. Yeah. Um, let's, we got squeezing a few more calls here. Rob in San Francisco, welcome. Thank you. Um, being in San Francisco, I have a little bit of a different take on it, but was wondering, um, you know, we, we almost lost the Giants. Everybody knows that story. And it just seems like it's beyond just a kick in the stomach for Fisher to pull this because the A's um, are the last of the three teams to be, looks like, mm -hmm. leaving. And I just can't ex imagine what that's like for the poor fans. But my question is, I don't remember all the details but pretend I'm an alien. I've just landed. Why is it that the original Coliseum site can't be used to create a new ballpark? Because mm -hmm. it's got all the infrastructure. It's got BART. It's got Caltrain. Why is it that that was not, you know, looked at more seriously? Because it seems like now the A's would have to move out for a while. But uh, that seems like the best spot yeah. all the way around. Rob, it's an interesting question. Um and let's go. Let's go back to you on this one. I know we've we've touched on it a little bit earlier, but I mean, let's just also pretend that the Las Vegas deal doesn't work out. We'd sort of be back to the Coliseum, would we not? And we'd be kind of taking on possibly a good site. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I've contended for you know for twenty years that that's just just build it there, and especially without um, you know with. With the Raiders gone the, and the Warriors gone, that that site is a tabula rasa and you can do whatever you want with it. And it has access. I mean, I always thought the Howard Terminal site was just ridiculous. I mean, it, it requires, if you've been down there, like the just the train track situation is mind boggling. Um, you know, the Port of Oakland, the, the giant trucks lined up and, and 
to to just so you can somehow be near the water like the giants i mean it 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 just doesn't really make any sense i mean i understand the supporters who think it would be a great thing for oakland and and at some point that land probably will be developed but it became this monstrosity of a real estate project the coliseum would be easy like like i many of us have said if you had if they had picked that site in 2016 2015 they'd be playing in a brand new stadium right now mm. and it's just kind of baffling to me that yeah. they are so dug in and i think it it not only t is a tell on their real estate ambitions but it also i think is disrespectful to oakland that that uh oh it's not a tenable site it, it's not in a good part of town all that kind of stuff it just i it smacks of uh not really understanding the history of the of the franchise and and the organization. The place, yeah. um, as, a, as a West Oaklander, uh, as a West Oaklander, I would say you know we have to understand the history of disinvestment in West Oakland, and that we're going to see you know that infrastructure around the trail, the railroad tracks, and down by the port. You know the the city did get that grant money, and to mm -hmm. see that improved. And so West Oakland has been old investment for quite some time. So I'm quite happy to see that grant money spent down there to do that. And certainly, as Ms. Killian said, our terminal is going to be developed. And the community that has that came up around the benefits has worked, continues to work on establishing uh, a package that will require whatever gets developed there to include affordable housing or other equity-based community benefits. Yeah. Don't forget the African-American Sports Entertainment Group has an interest in the Coliseum site, and they have their own plan for developing that property. Mm -hmm. Right. Thanks for that. Thanks for that additional context. Let's bring in uh, Katie in uh, San Francisco. Hi there. Hey, Katie. I just wanted to call in. I just had my first experience at the Oakland Coliseum, seeing an A's game with my family. Extended family was in from out of town, and they grew up going to coming down to see games there from Davis, and they are diehard fans. Uh, my kid caught a Fly, well, I, I guess he was throwing a ball. And it was <laughs> hey, that counts. Experience. That counts. You're taking a ball home. The yeah. crowd, the employees, everyone were so excited and happy. And it was such an incredible group and experience. And I'm really bummed that that might have been one of our later experiences there. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, it's tough. I mean, you know, Brian Johansson, co-owner of The Last Dive Bar, um, you know, you hear an experience like that, you know, someone coming new to a game, having a great time. I mean, how do you try and wrap them into your uh, in, into Our your cult? supporters group? Yeah. Or do you just say, okay. like, you know what, we shouldn't even be enrolling kind of new people into this suffering no. fandom? No, we're always taking applications because the thing about baseball is it's more than just a game, right? It's those memories. It's that ball that was thrown up by a, a, a baseball player, right? That's a memory that that child will will have for the rest of his life as evidenced by what every little kid experiences when he goes to any baseball stadium and it doesn't matter how outdated the the coliseum is or any stadium in particular because we've seen what what the red sox and what the cubs can do with over 80 plus you know years of, of being in one facility right so um those memories are something that even even if this is the last year which i don't believe it is um 
because they're going to have to, well, I mean, we're going to find out pretty soon, right? In May, if they're going to extend the port and then they have till June, uh, June 13th, actually in Las Vegas to get something done. And then they have to renew a a lease at the end of the year at the Coliseum site. So there's a lot of hard dates that will will tell us Mm -hmm. a lot of information, especially the one coming up on in May, I believe it's, I want to say May 19th, maybe, you know, David would know, but uh, make those memories, right? Because uh, I, that's what I would suggest. Cause if this is your last year, like I, like I brought up on a previous call uh, on the Twitter space is that there's a Tim McGraw song called live like you are dying. If you were told September 24th is the last day you're going to see A's baseball in Oakland. How do you choose to live the rest of your baseball days? Well, in there, there's a line that says, I'm going to ride this bull named Fu Manchu for 2.7 seconds. So that's what last dive bar is going to do. And we're going to try to make as many memories as possible that a little kid can look up just like I did at Henduland and say, oh my God, look at that relationship those guys have with the players. Look at that banner. Look at the fun. Look at those bash arms. Everything we do is a, is a representation of stuff we've saw growing up in the mm-hmm. 80s and going uh, going through that and, and living through great marketing and great, you know, we had the highest payroll in all of baseball. We were it. We were the mm. kings. Yeah. And um, and then Haas died. And uh, it's, you know, but before Haas, after Haas, it's always been relocation yeah. threats, even yeah. with you know, Finley. But make those memories because you don't know how, how many memories you have left. Yeah. Last few uh, fan comments. I mean, Marcus just writes in to say, you know, one of the guests said that fans would have to fork out one and a half billion, but that's not necessarily the case. They just need 51% to make community-based decisions with 49% going private. The soccer model isn't perfect, but it keeps those teams in their city. So, you know, some of the, I I guess all the German soccer teams have this, that exact kind of setup. Um, I've also got uh, Judy writes in to say, one of my best memories was the day A's fans celebrated Ricky Henderson's induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Prior to that, I'd spent many seasons waving the flags high from the center field bleachers with Bleacher Dave Peters, his wonderful wife Jackie, whose Jamaica wedding I attended, and the rest of our baseball family. Then Ricky came on the field in a dapper green suit and began a a slow, dignified walk around the bases. When he got to second, he tore the base out of the ground and waved it high. The crowd exploded in unity and excitement, and I thought to myself, I am truly in the green cathedral. I'm in the church of baseball. We have been talking about the Oakland A's potential move to Las Vegas, what the A's have meant to the Bay Area, what the A's have meant to Oakland. We've been joined this uh, morning by Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Thanks for joining us, Ann. Thanks for having me. We've also been joined by David Peters, third-generation West Oakland resident, lifelong Oakland A's fan, member of the Howard Terminal Community Benefits Agreement Steering Committee, and the founder of the Black Liberation Walking Tour. Thanks for joining us, Bleach Dave. Thanks for being here. Look, Oakland will continue to survive and thrive. Wave them high. <laughs> We've also uh, been joined by Melissa Lockhart, senior editor and staff writer at The Athletic, another lifelong A's fan and the founder of the blog Oakland, uh, Oakland Clubhouse. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Thanks for having me. And Brian Johansson, co-owner of The Last Dive Bar, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Man, it's been my pleasure. Let's go, Oakland. <laughs> We're going out to Oakland A's pitcher Sam Mall's walk-up song, I Won't Back Down, by Tom Petty. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This has been Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, 
the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.